Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you are joining us today for the debut, the premiere, the other word meaning the beginning of our sixth season here at The Well, one that I think has um, topped any excitement we've had for any season so far, Worthy of Honor, where we are highlighting awesome women in the Bible to learn all that we can from their stories. Gentlemen, this was a uh, brainchild from early on when we started this podcast. How does it feel to finally see it getting off the ground now? I'm just excited to have guests. I mean, it's fun having conversations with the two of you, but I, I'm so much happier um, having other voices, particularly women. Um, this is wonderful. I haven't said it better myself. I am pumped. So I'll say a bit more about where this season came from and the heart behind it and the thought behind it later in the show. But as Eli brilliantly teased there, um, we will be having a different guest every episode this season. So as we look at um, these women who have built the kingdom of God uh, over the history of scripture, we're also going to be joined by a woman who is currently building the kingdom of God in ministries today. And so our first guest is a part-time music therapy student and part-time private violin and viola instructor. She grew up as a pastor's kid and is no stranger to the ins and outs of ministry. She currently serves as an elder at Living Hope Church in Laurel, Maryland. Yay, yay, a little biased where she serves on the kids' ministry and sings on the praise team. And an interesting fact about her is that she is the youngest of seven kids. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, she bears and he bears. We are joined today by my friend Lydia Gruber. Lydia, how are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for saying yes. This is kind of the, the trial run. First episode of the season. We're learning on the go. Um, so yeah, let us know how it goes and if we're terribly unqualified for this. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. Wonderful. Love that energy. Need that energy. So let's get things started with our question of the week segment. Our first ever four-person question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three, then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. So this question is from our friend Michelle, who, and I am going to specifically say her because I'm confused by this question. This is from Michelle. She says, simply put, which is better, a duck or a rabbit? So have at it, everyone. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous question. I, I can't. <laughs> I automatically go to the cuteness factor. Like with a duck, the webbed feet, how fluffy they are. They're so cute. But a bunny is also really cute too. They're also fluffy. Well, it's so tricky. here's interesting, Lydia. It seemed like you were referring to a duckling. Oh. <laughs> right, right. But that wasn't the question. Charles hates adult ducks. That is the moral of the story. What do you have against adult ducks, Charles? Let's get into it, Charles. I don't think it's about time we cute. talked about this. Ducklings are cute. They smell rancid, but they're cute. <laughs> when have you been close enough to a duckling to smell it? <laughs> you guys said you guys never did that in like kindergarten or first grade where you like incubated duck eggs and like had like ducklings. Didn't sniff them. <laughs> you don't need to sniff them. It just takes over the room. Let me assure you. 
I have oh never my... sniffed a duckling before. That's new. Charles, she's going to think we're weird. You're not helping our case right now. Too late. Too late. No. <laughs> it's over. We were and trying to hide that. <laughs> Charles, did you not get no my email? Golfing Charles. You're now duck sniffing Charles. <laughs> <laughs> but Lydia, which one would you choose? Hmm. Personally, I think. Uh, can I make it a duckling? Is that okay? I think yes. it's okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the duckling because <laughs> the webbed feet are just super cute. The little cheap they make, the cheap, cheap, and the fluffy factor. I think that's important. I respect that. Ducklings are, are very cute. Charles is a, a vendetta against adult ducks, apparently. <laughs> But Charles, you never gave your actual answer. Is it? I'm assuming rabbits. Then I think so. I don't. I don't know. I was gonna say rabbits because, you know, there are actually. I just realized there are rabbits out there that are, um, uh, what is it, hypoallergenic and do not smell. And so for that reason, I would choose rabbits because there's no ducks that don't smell. So with Lydia, it's a cuteness factor. Charles, it's the overall scent. Eli, what, what's your criteria for this question? How they taste. I've never <laughs> eaten a rabbit before. <laughs> so, but I have eaten duck. <laughs> and they be delicious. So I prefer duck. <laughs> I like your criteria. <laughs> Absolute monster. <laughs> but bougie Eli's had duck before. Who could have guessed? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but also, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> on brand. There you go. Always on brand. What about you, Jay? Um, I, Mine is completely just based off of functionality, I guess. And I was like, ducks can survive on the water and in the sky and on land. So, ducks, <laughs> they're just the... I respect the, that. Thank you. They're just the better creature. They're a little more durable. Uh, All-terrain animals, if you will. <laughs> it's the avatar of animals. Birds are just the avatar of animals. And you can cook them with fire, so I'm down with and you <laughs> <laughs> Powerful on all-terrain, and you can cook them with fire. There we go. So, so ducks. So is that three, three for ducks? You heard it here first, everyone. Ducks are the superior animal to, to rabbits. <laughs> That is, that's probably our strangest question of the week. I'm excited that we're, we're leading off with that one. <laughs> so let's get into the nitty gritty. You're not here for duck versus rabbit debates. You are here for studying scripture. So again, this is our sixth season here at The Well, um, titled Worthy of Honor. It's a Bible study specifically focusing on women of the Bible. And as I mentioned earlier, it came up in a planning meeting pretty early into uh, this podcast inception, our bougie and duck-loving colleague, Eli, uh, thought that this would be a really good idea. And a lot of it is built on the, the theme of what we try to do with this podcast, which is, rap which is described very well in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so as three men, uh, as three friends and brothers, we want to be equipped for every good work the Lord would have for us. Um, we want 
as three friends who run a podcast for our listeners to become more equipped for the work that God has for them through listening to our own reflections and breakdowns of the things that we talk about here. And that means really focusing on those first two words of that passage, or first four words rather, that all scripture is God breathed and so on, and that all scripture deserves our attention and focus um, and intentional effort to live on and act out. And one of the things that we love to do is to look at obscure passages that are often either glanced over or not thought about, and hopefully uh, shine a spotlight on them that allows people to see the ways that they are life-giving, the ways that they tell us more about who God is by giving them more of our attention. And consistently throughout scripture and honestly throughout church culture, the stories of women are often in that category of stories that aren't talked about as much, that aren't really the centerpiece of the narratives that drive salvation history, even though they very much are in actuality. And stories that is three dudes, where we have an immense amount of privilege to not always hear about, because we're used to seeing the successes and failures of other men being the ones highlighted in scripture. And so there's a sense of yeah, privilege there and also just like not knowing what we don't know sometimes. And if we want to be equipped for every good work, that means looking at all people in scripture and really uh, intentionally aligning ourselves to learn from everyone that's included in salvation history. And there there's an intentional kind of effort for men, as Eli kind of articulated when he brought this up, to do that, to learn from women in a way that will not always come naturally because our churches, our ministries don't always do it in a natural way. Um, and so we're excited for this. We're excited to learn and to live out 2 Timothy 3, which is why we have such um, amazing guests for this season. And so before we get into the passage to kick us off, Lydia, we wanted to throw to you and from get your take on a question for in your experience, what aspects of Christian womanhood or, or women's ministry aren't seen well or understood? This is such a great question. Um, and kind of going off of what you were saying, Drell, about women not being truly seen and heard, I think that is definitely true of church history. Um, from my personal experience, like in the churches that I grew up in, um, churches that I was in in college, um, I really kind of always felt like women were seen as one-dimensional um, and not necessarily as joint heirs in Christ, um, weren't seen as people who had their own personal ministry and personal call from God. Um, it was mostly like, oh, well, you're a woman, so you categorically go in this specific place, you know, um, in the different ministries that are more about nurturing. And I don't think that that's wrong. I think that women, womanhood is about nurture, um, is an important part of, of womanhood, um, generally speaking. And so I don't want to say like, you know, that is wrong. Um, but I don't want to, um, I don't want women to not be listened to, um, and not given a chance to really do what God has given them. Um, so that's pretty, that's really what I've seen mostly is that women are sort of pigeonholed into things that are 
like in the society that's what you should do as a woman um but not necessarily like what god has for her yeah that's a a similar refrain we've like heard and like talking to to people about this and so for you because you're very well involved uh with living hope like you do like you mentioned stuff in the kids ministry you're on the praise team have you been in churches or bodies of believers where you felt like you were being pigeonholed into a role we're not asking you to put anybody on blast we're not like a gossip podcast but if you experience that or it's like oh Lydia you're a woman so naturally you would do this where you were kind of like well I don't know maybe not yeah um I definitely feel like pastors my pastors in the past were more concerned about like like emergencies in the church that needed to be filled you know like you got to have somebody in kids ministry every week you know like you got to have you know someone fulfilling all the different nuts and bolts that go into a ministry um and i think it fell specifically or i guess more on the women um because the women were expected to do like you know be with the children or like cook the food or like you know do those things that um you know were it, but it might be their call. You know, I don't also don't want to say that that is not, you know, valuable because it's absolutely valuable. Um, but the churches I've been in also treated women as like second class citizens where it was like, you know, when the elders would stand together um, or, or be at the front of the church or praying or something, um, the women would stand like behind the men. Um, things like that would happen. Um, and I just felt like, overall women weren't asked like what do you what do you think god is giving you have you ever found lydia um either within yourself or within um another young woman that you're either friends with or mentoring um that like oh here is an atypical gifting um that i see that's useful for the church and for god's glory but maybe is being met with some resistance because it's not typically seen as a role that woman like how do you how do you support how do you be supported in that but also how do you support women in that um who are me- being met with resistance mm, that's such a good question you know unfortunately things are lopsided you know as far as power structures and the world, I mean, with men and women, and it, it definitely affects the church as well. Um, I think I would say to the woman that heeding the call of what God has you is the most important thing. That, you know, you may have a room of men, of women too, because women can also be a part of that structure too, you know. Um, you might have a group of people saying, you know, this is not what you should be doing. Like you shouldn't be leading groups or you shouldn't be preaching or you shouldn't be doing these things. Um, but I would say that try try not to listen to haters, but <laughs> please listen more to what God has for you um, because that really is the most important thing. Awesome. So on the note of like listening to what God has for you, so you have a very, I don't know, I don't know if it's atypical, but you have a very like specific area of ministry that you work in, like you're on the praise team at church, but you also do uh, music therapy. So I'm, I'm curious, like what brought that about is like, 
um, that level of like channeling, obviously a gifting for music into not just not just performance or anything like that, but like, no, I'm going to use this as a an element of healing. Like, how did you get to that point? Yeah, so um, I was a teacher for six years and, you know, shout out to all my public school teachers. They are amazing people. <laughs> like, they really are. Thank you um, so much, Lydia. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but I felt like in like my second year of teaching, that just wasn't for me. Um, I wasn't sure what to do next, but I felt like God had something different for me to do um, that would be more in line with my gifting. So I think, well, I know my primary gift is uh, the gift of mercy, um, you know, sitting with people in grief, um, sort of providing like um, tenderness or like a, a listening ear or um, healing in, in a moment, creating safe spaces, that sort of thing. Um, and so God, it was kind of a crazy sort of thing that happened um, where through meeting a stranger who I think was like, put, you know, I think it was definitely, you know, predestined for us to meet in that moment. Um, and he gave me an exercise to sort of look at all of the things that I'm good at what I can be paid for and like all of these different intersections. Um, and once I did the exercise appointed to music therapy and I was like, wow, Lord, like what is, what is this? And then I researched it and then I started a program. But um, really, I think that what solidified it for me was that it was also in line, like I said, with my gifting, with what I feel like God has given me my my call. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, that's why I'm so passionate about it. And, um, yeah, and that, that's my hope for everyone. And that's my hope for, for women as well to not settle for whatever it is that you're doing to listen to what God is speaking to your, to your heart. Um, if he wants you to step out and do something different, don't be afraid to do that because he's got your back. He'll, he'll be with you. And man, it's kind of the courage to go against the grain because it's like, well, this is where the Lord has me. And that's like uh, sometimes really challenging place to be, but also the most like conducive place for me to be. So, Lydia, you said that you were you said like very confidently, like, OK, I have a gifting for I don't remember exact words or capacity for um, mercy and yeah, you said that was such a confidence of just like and sureness of this is part of who God made me to be. And so I'm wondering if you could speak a bit to like um, for uh, maybe women who were like, well, what is my actual like role in ministry? What am I called to do? How it is that you came to realize that? And I, that might be a much, much, much longer story. But um, just how did you get to a point where you could confidently say, well, I know that this is something the Lord has given me to do something with like this idea of being more um, in being mission-minded, drawn to mercy and like sitting with people? Like, how did you get to a point where you can say, this is something that can guide my thinking about ministry going forward? Yeah. Um, so I would say she's a woman who's trying to find her calling to really look at the common threads in her life at the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit has worked, um, specifically through her, um, an example of that would be, you know, ever since I was a child, I, whenever there was like, you know, a gathering of kids, like, um, whether it be a Bible study or a camp or something new, you know, where 
we're coming together and we're strangers. Um, I was always very aware of the people that were kind of like on the outside of the group, like on the periphery. Mm, peripheral. Sure. Um, and I, one by one, you know, Wednesday night Bible study, I noticed that there was a new girl. Um, and so I went up to her and I was like, you know, just trying to be her friend and trying to make her feel welcome. And, and, you know, and I didn't think much of it because that was just how I operated, you know, as a kid, that's like, kind of, it really came naturally to me, but a woman, um, from my church pulled me aside and was like, Lydia, this is really special. Like you mm. don't understand that, like all the rest of the kids are not worried about, you know, the one child who's kind of left behind or looks mm -hmm. like they're lonely, you know? Um, and she was like, that's really special. You should hold on to that. And that made a huge impression on me. Um, and different moments like that kept popping up for me as I was growing up. Um, and I would say that it's a common thread in my life of, you know, just being aware um, of, of people, like where they are um, in their lives, um, how they're doing, like, kind of like the temperature of the room, but like kind of like the spiritual emotional temperature, you know, mm -hmm. like I've always just been like, okay, that's it. Um, and I didn't quite understand that this was not like super common, um, but that it's something that was special, something that God, the Holy Spirit was leading in my life um, until a little bit later. So I really would say, look for those common threads in your life um, where you feel like it's supernatural, like something that comes really natural to you, but you also know that God's part of it. Um, and that is probably going to help you point to what it is you're calling. Yeah, that's excellent advice. The, the As you're speaking, the passage, like you will know a tree by its fruit. Um, and it's such a a common thing of like, well, what am I supposed to do with my life in the sense that like the Lord kind of writes on our hearts um, intentions and in ways that he's like fearfully and wonderfully made us to do specific things. And as we like start to think, okay, well, how does this, how do some of these things maybe come more naturally, we can begin to uncover that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's an excellent way of thinking about that. Thank you for sharing with that. I hope that that lands somewhere and that um, if you're listening, that's something that you're able to to lean into more. All right. Well, we've got, we've got a lot, a lot we've already said so far. And we haven't even gotten to the passage yet. So let's dive in for our opening passage. We are looking at Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 through 31. We are looking at not a specific woman, at least I don't think maybe she is, but a basically description of a type of woman that is become commonly known as the Proverbs 31 woman. So if you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. This famous passage in the last chapter of Proverbs features a king getting advice from his mom. Out of mother motherly concern or perhaps skepticism pertaining to her son's dating preferences, she outlines her criteria for what she calls a virtuous wife. The resulting passage describes what has come to be known as the Proverbs 31 woman, an industrious, creative, generous woman who is the joy of her family and a force to be reckoned with. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies, 
The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes from merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth in wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give, her of the give, give to her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Gentlemen and lady, what can we learn from the Proverbs 31 woman? I uh, just uh, wanted to give this interesting little tidbit for, um, as I was researching the passage. So um, I don't know how well no this is known. I didn't know this, but each verse uh, in this particular uh, set of verses begins uh, with the successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So it's kind of a really cool literary thing that's happening in, in, in the Hebrew language. And it indicates um, and symbolizes that this uh, ideal woman's character runs the whole range or gambit of excellence. And I thought that was uh, a pretty cool literary device that we miss in English that is there in Hebrew, but also kind of like, it's not one dimensional. This is the range of excellence that a woman uh, has. Dang. That's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that, Charles. How cool is that? That, you know, the different facets that a woman can be excellent in spans the entire Hebrew alphabet. Like, I, I really love that. So um, of all these qualities, the ones that I find uh, particularly, I think, countercultural, in the sense of how people or assume they understand biblical womanhood um, uh, is the amount of times that this, uh, this uh, profile of an excellent wife, of an excellent woman handles money. Like she's handling money a lot. She's making her own decisions a lot. She's exercising wisdom a lot. And never once does it say she's asking for permission to do so. Um, and I think a lot of times there's this framework or this assumption that the Bible is looking for women to be demure or in the shadow of their husbands. And you don't get that at all in this passage. And as we've uh, spoken with 
other women about um, where we're going and, and what this season has, we're learning that like actually God's perspective of his creation of woman is that they are almost unequivocally capable. And, and, and I, I think it's a lie from the devil that says that like a woman in her proper place is somehow unable to have these virtues. Like the ones that I particularly like, like she senses that her prophet is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. And so because of her shrewdness, uh, her household wants for nothing. Another one is in verse 16. She considers a field and she buys it. Um, from her earnings, she plants She plants a vineyard, right? And so there's this hard work and it's like, I'm not only going to spend money wisely, I'm not only going to um, have this money, I'm also going to do the work myself. Um, and so it's not just about making wise decisions, it's also about uh, her investments yielding profit. Um, and so I just think, yeah, we need to focus on that a lot more because I don't think America, like the American church is missing the mark entirely in terms of like what we encourage young women and girls and women of any age really and how they participate in discipleship. I completely agree with you, Eli. And, you know, I was thinking of this historical fact. I, I, you might want to double check it, but pretty sure that women weren't allowed to open up like their own bank accounts um weren't allowed to like buy a home i mean you think of you know early 1900s or before where women weren't allowed to like walk on the street by themselves they had to be accompanied by a man you know all these sort of oppressive things that women had to go through and still go through i would say in western society as well as in um maybe more so generally speaking in like third world countries um but women have historically been oppressed, you know, not allowed to be this amazing Proverbs 31 woman who, you're right, she is like a boss. She's doing everything. She's like buying the fields. She's planting the vineyards. She's starting businesses. She's selling goods. She's traveling for work too. You know, she's building wealth. She's a homemaker. And she's making things, making sure things are getting done, you know? Um, and it, I thought it was really interesting as well, what you said about how women kind of weren't in the church, they're not like trusted or like not seen in the same way. Um, I really love verse 11. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will not lack anything good. And I think that overall this entire passage is really about what women can do like what what is available to women and what it, what she can do in the church outside of the church in ministry in her daily life um and in verse 11 it even says that her husband trusts her which mentions a man you know I think this also can be broadened out that men should trust women, should, you know, entrust them with things that are important. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, the church often follows society instead of, instead of society following the church. Um, and so the church has gone with society a lot of times where women are oppressed and are held down and not allowed to to blossom into what really God has has for them. 
Yeah, we definitely need more uh, of the body of Christ to be leading instead of following. Um, I think that's a, a really good point, Lydia. I, I we're, this the season is about women um, and women worthy of honor. Uh, but you you mentioned that this passage does mention the man. It mentions her husband, and I was struck as a husband, as a man, um, particularly by the mention of those. And so you mentioned one of them, but later on in the passage, uh, in verse 28, uh, it says that her husband praises her. And it, it brought to mind uh, this book that I read um, in preparation for marriage, where it talks about the importance of never speaking ill of particularly for the men of their wife, um, obviously in front of her, but ever in public, but to always praise her. And I, I recalled that and thought like, there, there's a, there's an exhortation here as well to men to recognize the, the wealth of talent um, that women bring to the table, the wide range of skill. Like I was, okay, there's manual skill, there's commercial kind of skill, administrative, interpersonal, homemaking, like it's just all there. And I, I feel like there's an exhortation here for us as men to be quick, to recognize and acknowledge that. And um, I think for all men, particularly for husbands to, to, to acknowledge that of their wives, but also men to acknowledge um, that of, of women in general. Absolutely. Like I, there are a lot of things that stuck out to me from this, but one thing that stuck out to me in not a great way was just like, and it's a great verse, but the way I've seen it used is often just kind of glossing over things. But one of the last verses, I, verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. The reason that stuck out to me and the reason it wasn't great is because I've, I've heard that verse tons of times like I've heard that verse mentioned just in context on context with like the ministry that like Eli and Charles we've been a part of I've heard uh, my wife Sandy mention it in different women's events she's been to I've heard that verse a lot I've rarely ever heard anyone speak on the 20 preceding it and the context that goes into that verse and it's it's again, it's a beautiful thing. And it's just that the fear of the Lord is what really brings all of this together, I think, for all, for all people. But it's often used, um, as you mentioned earlier, Lydia, I think, in a way that kind of compartmentalizes the way women are trusted or like given work to do in advancing the kingdom of God in Western society. It's kind of like, oh, well, charm is deceitful, beauty is fine, but, you know, a woman who fears the Lord, and, like, it just kind of, st it stops there, and ignores all the context beforehand for, like, well, this is a woman who fears the Lord, someone who isn't just, like, uh, timid, or just willing, like, you, I think you said really well, of, like, uh, pastors or leaders just looking for emergencies, and just kind of plugging um, various women into, like, well, we need this children's ministry, we need this, we need this, as opposed to just looking at everything that comes before this verse and saying, oh, you're really good at this. Like, would you want to serve in a way that like accentuates that gifting that the Lord has you? And so verse 30 really stuck out to me is kind of somehow the only thing that's taken out of this passage of kind of like, well, you know, 
almost to say, well, women, let's not be vain. Let's fear the Lord as opposed to saying, well, women, let's actually go get after the kingdom of God. And I think that's like fundamentally really disrespectful and like unhelpful for raising up people who are going to be excited about the work of building the kingdom of God. Um, Because as you all said, I I don't want to labor on it too much or, or be repetitive, but one thing I appreciate most about my wife is something that I appreciate most about just some of my closest friends, like my inner circle of people who I trust um, a lot, is that it's people who I can get really excited about something and share it with them, and they will either match or exceed my excitement, and often matching or exceeding my ability to like bring that thing to fruition. Like one of the reasons I married Sandy was that she was someone who I found like if with like serious things and also sometimes silly things like, Hey, this is a really good idea. Um, what do you think about this? And if it is an actual good idea, cause if something's not, she'll tell me. Um, but if it is a good idea that is like pleasing to the Lord and that we should think about is not just a, okay, I think this is good. I'll make it happen. It's like, she's like, Oh no, if this is good, let's do it. And there's a sense of we are actually co-partners in mission, mission, like you said, Lydia, co-heirs to the kingdom of God, where it's not just you got to come up with the idea and bring it about as a man. But in times where I'm like, like failing on that or just like struggling to carry something like sometimes Sandy will break will be a reminder of like, hey, this is something that we think the Lord has called us to. So let's remember to be faithful to this. And just that ability to entrust someone, if nothing else, with zeal for mission is something that I think we miss in churches when we just go, oh, you know, ladies, don't worry about what you look like. Just fear the Lord. And so I've just been like, ladies, let's actually go get it. Let's like go after the kingdom of God. And I, I don't know, that verse and every in the context of everything else got me thinking about like, yeah, this is something that I love about my wife. And uh, she's my best friend and like partner because she like goes after it. And how much more is that something that not just in the context of marriage, but just in the context of missions the Lord has for um, women as co-heirs in the kingdom as people who he's also spoken the great commission to. That is really beautiful. I love that you're able to recognize that in your wife. That's, that's really awesome. Um, and kind of going back to what you were saying about the people only quoting the scripture, um, charm is deceptive, you, you know. The crazy thing about this passage is that her looks are only mentioned twice. And in it's mentioned in um, verse 17, she draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. And then verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. So unfortunately, like you said, Jarrell, like the church sort of latches onto like, okay, you might be cute, but you better be focusing on God kind of thing, you know, but in reality, you know, the thing is like you women shouldn't be afraid to be beautiful. Like I don't, I don't want to kind of like draw on that um, because I think that's also part of femininity and like womanhood and everything. Um, but it's very clear from the scriptures that that is not the focus, you know, um, when it talks about her physical 
um, her body. And in verse 17, it's talking about her being strong. And then in verse 30, it's talking about where her heart is. Like, what is her heart posture? Like, is she focused on, you know, um, on the Lord or, or other things? Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think not only the church focuses on that scripture too much, but also other scriptures where it talks about the hierarchy of Christianity or, you know, like hierarchy of the family and things like that, which I think are godly, but it's harped on like the woman should be, you know, under, you know, underneath or, you know, the emphasis is on, on that, um, on that. So I agree. I think we should be more focused on like if a woman is healthy, is she strong, you know, in spirit and in mind and, and body, um, and less concerned if she cute, but it's not wrong to be cute either though. <laughs> on that, on that, on not that, not the cute note, but on one of the notes that you previously said, Lydia, um, the note about like not impressing upon um, young girls and women that like you need to be somehow submissive or, or not submissive because I think submissive is also taken in an, in an unbiblical context as if somehow submission is oppressive. But I like what you said about like somehow underneath her husband. And this is very interesting. One of my friends one time said, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, ultimately God took the, uh, didn't take, didn't form Eve from a leg bone that um, Adam would have his foot on his wife. He didn't take um, a piece of his skull out as if she was somehow above him. He took a rib so that she would stand next to him. And I was like, oh, that's not biblical, but I do like the imagery that comes with that. Um, but like one of the things that uh, has come to mind, I want to ask you, um, there are so many things, there are 21 verses about um, the excellence of womanhood and what um, what she brings to the complementary nature of humankind, right? And that can seem like a lot because if you put this all out on a bullet list, there's a lot of things to be excellent about. And like from the outside looking in, that seems like it has the potential of being very overwhelming. And it seems like, oh, I suddenly need to add up to a lot of stuff that maybe I don't know how to do yet, or I, I haven't grown yet, or I don't have mentorship for. And um, so I wanted to ask you, Lydia, does a passage like this encourage, overwhelm both, neither, or something else entirely? Like what, what do you feel when you, what do you think when you read this? And how do you explain this to somebody who reads it as like, is this all supposed to be on me? <laughs> yes. Um, that's so funny you said that, Eli, because when I first was looking over the scriptures, I was like, wow, this woman is like a super boss. How could I ever live, uh, live up to this super boss woman? Of, I like, sell some fields. <laughs> <laughs> where, my, where my vineyard at? Gotta get my vineyard together. You know? Where that vineyard at? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but... I, what I really kind of distilled it down to um, and sort of made like a, I guess, a checklist to see if you're a Proverbs 31 woman, if you will, like, 
I think it really boils down to, are you taking care of your responsibilities thoroughly and with faith? And if you're doing that, then you're doing it. Then you're a Proverbs 31 woman, you know? I don't think the passage necessarily is like, you have to be this perfect automaton person who is perfect at everything, you know? Um, but it's showing the possibilities of like womanhood, like what woman can do um, and the different facets that God can develop women to do or, or have for women to do. Um, and I think of responsibilities like spiritual, physical, emotional, mental responsibilities. Um, so spiritually, you know, um, are you developing? Are you spending time with God? Are you doing what he has for you? Physically, um, I know, of course, physically, everyone's built differently. Everyone has different abilities, um, deficiencies, things like that. But are you doing the best with what you have um, as far as health? Um, emotionally, are you taking care of like your emotional self, your mental responsibilities? Like, are you stretching your mind? Are you, you know, continuing to learn? I think thoroughly means with understanding, um, with excellence and skill and perseverance. So really truly understanding what God has for you and then developing those gifts and talents. Um, and then with faith, like, are you really stepping out and trying the things that God, that God is putting on your heart um, and trusting that he's gonna sustain you and that he's gonna bring you um, to what you need in order to do what you're called to. So no, I would not say you have to do everything because that's impossible but really focus in like, what does God have for me to do? And am I doing that thoroughly and with faith? There's a lot of snaps on the Zoom screens right now. That, that is such a good answer. And as you said, just encompasses not just the tangible aspects of like, you know, what's, what's your vineyard count? Let's, let's make sure we got that in line. But um, for this woman, like, these are the things she was given to do. She did them thoroughly with faith and seemingly with joy in a way that like radiated to the people around them. And so as you spoke to earlier is uh, people are listening to this. There's women who are listening to this and thinking of what are the things the Holy Spirit has kind of put on their heart and the gifts that they've given them. Uh, doing those thoroughly and with faith is so God honoring and brings about a zeal for mission that is sorely needed. So thank you so much for that, Lydia. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That is all for this week. Lydia, thank you for joining us and for um, giving us your insight. This was so much fun. Um, can you, so we've said a bunch of times, you do a lot at Living Hope Church. Shout out to Pastor Ryan and the crew. Um, can you, my mans, um, can you <laughs> give us a bit about Living Hope and how people can get connected if they would like to? Sure. Yeah, I would like to give a shout out to Pastor April and Pastor Brian, who are the pastors of our church. Um, they are excellent, by the way, at making sure that women are seen and heard and are doing you real know, talk. All, exactly yeah. what God has for them. So I just want to give them props and thank God for them. Amen. Um, so we go. I go to Living Hope Church in Laurel, Maryland. Um, if you would like more information about the church, you can go to livinghopedc.org. Um, we meet Sundays at 1030 online and in person. There's various things going on. We've got life groups um, that are currently Thursdays at 7. Um, we've got a deaf ASL ministry. 
Um, so if that is something that you are interested in, you can also do that. And we have miss missions and outreach. So all of that information is on the website if you'd like to check us out. Wonderful. And do check it out, especially if you're in the Maryland area. Again, I am biased, but it's, it is a joy to be able to see you guys on Sunday, although I have not been there in person the past two weeks. So I'm looking forward to seeing you this Sunday. Hey. 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 <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that, Lydia. Um, again, that's all for us this week. Thank you for joining us for our first installment of Worthy of Honor. We will be here for the next seven weeks um, with this season outlining some really awesome women in the Bible and some really awesome women that we've had the uh, blessing of being able to talk to. Um, in between there, you can always check us out at, at thewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes on Mondays on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our series on justice, our series on hope, and our recurring series and if not fan favorite, one of our favorites, Jesus in the Movies. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well. <laughs>